Welcome to the Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by Ian Boyd and Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. How's it going today? Happy Cinco de Mayo, guys. Hey, Cinco de Mayo. Muy bueno. <laughs> hey, we've got a lot to talk about on this uh, episode of the Longhorn live stream. A uh, couple of commitments for the Longhorns in basketball yesterday, uh, putting Rodney Terry on the right track, in my opinion, uh, in his effort to rebuild the basketball squad. Also, Urban Meyer, the urban legend out of Columbus, Ohio, had something to say about the Longhorns today uh, that was quite interesting. I want to get into that as well. We also have our weekly trivia question uh, coming up uh, that uh, I quizzed both Justin and Ian with, and neither one of them got it in the pregame here. So I feel very confident about that. Although Ian was quicker to get it than our boy Justin Wells, that's for sure. Yes, yes, Justin, you know it's true. Uh, anyways, welcome in. I hope everybody. You're gonna have to come yourself. up with some other questions too, because <laughs> I'm not gonna lose any competition like that. <laughs> welcome in, everybody. I hope everybody's having a good Friday, uh, and we're ready to talk a little sports. Let's start with uh, the Urban Meyer quote from today, and uh, it's really one of those that you know. I want to I want to ask everybody what they think of this, including Ian and Justin, because we all all three of us had different takes on it uh, at. Uh, let's see here. He says, and I quote here, where'd it go? Oh man. Can somebody read this for me? Am I missing it? Basically urban Meyer says that top to bottom, Texas may have the best roster in college football, the best roster in college football. Urban Meyer said that on a show on on three, uh, up in Columbus earlier today, uh, Ian, Justin, what is y'all's? Here's the. Let's listen to it and hear what he has to say. Two quarterbacks. You have two quarterbacks, and the the Alabama scenario is, you know, I haven't studied it that closely, but I've been reading about it, and that's a precarious situation there. You know, you certainly can't get three ready to go. You know, you're going to have to narrow it down and. Uh, especially if they're young players, the one, you know, the guy at Notre Dame's transfer is a, a very experienced guy. But um, I think Georgia and Ohio State are in very good positioning. I think Texas, you didn't mention them, but, yeah. you know, don't sleep on Texas this year. I was talking to Mark Pantone and I was talking to the uh, recruiting uh, director at Ohio State and some other uh, man for man roster, roster against roster. It's hard to say Texas doesn't have the best roster in college football right now. Yeah. Now they they, they got to play. They, it's been a while since Texas has been good uh, or elite. Uh, but their quarterback, I, I watched him live against Alabama before he got hurt, and they could have won that game. And we all know Quinn Ewers from when he was at Ohio State. So uh, I think Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas are in pretty good shot. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, thanks, Matt, for putting that up for us. I appreciate that. That's that's a pretty high cotton. Uh, that Urban Meyer, their national championship coach, says about Texas. Uh, Ian, what were your initial thoughts on that? Well, you know, initial thoughts whenever Urban says anything, especially about Michigan or Texas, is whether he has a little bit of an agenda there. I think we all know that he's not a real big fan of Tom Herman. Um, I think the opportunity to dig Herman a little with, you know, oh, look how good Texas is now that that Herman guy is gone. Uh, may have been in the back of his mind or in the front of his mind even. But I imagine he has some sincerity as well. And I think that he may actually be right. I think maybe we'll debate that. But I I think Texas's talent is only, only at the elite level if you count underclassmen who are probably not ready to play elite football yet. You know, look. Justin, you and I talked, I think Justin and I agree a little bit on this one. I, I felt like uh, it's always that backhanded compliment towards Texas. Uh, it's almost like Urban, oh, what if they lose and they only win seven games? I might get that Texas job this year in the offseason. You, you think there's anything to that with him? Absolutely. I mean, Urban's as petty as it gets. And, it, and if you get to know these these highly, highly successful football coaches at the college level, there's a, there's a, there's an ounce of pettiness in all of them. And I think that's urban Meyer doing that. Now, granted, you can look on paper and you look at the roster and the, 
you could make an argument they're in that top five, top ten range from a talent standpoint. But pound for pound, that's just heaping that gallon of Kool-Aid, burnt orange flavor, you know, in May. This is we're not even in the summertime yet. And we're already getting this. But you know what it's great for, Bobby? It's great for conversation. Because like Ian said, Urban Meyer is a walking agenda. And I feel like there's always something he says in the background that's tying into something else. Now, granted, Tom Herman's not in Austin anymore, his, uh, you know, his mortal enemy. And so I felt like maybe he would back off of the horns a little bit. But maybe he's still upset he didn't take the job a couple of years ago. He's seeing what Sark's building and a missed out opportunity that he wound up fumbling in Jacksonville. I don't think that fumble's not the right word. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say I think he threw an interception, fumbled, uh, got flagged for, you know, everything. Got flagged for fingering. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't believe you just said I said that. fumbled. You said not fumbled. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's keep going here. Let's keep going here. We want to say thanks to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky, uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking for uh, a new way to earn money, uh, own your own business, and have your own cup of tea. Uh, try uh, the franchise business with myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, try Andy. Give him a shout at 404-973-9901 or Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. He can actually get you set up uh, with the very latest uh, and opportunities in the franchise game and give you a shot uh, to do that. All right. Texas basketball yesterday, guys, uh, gets two commitments. Uh, Kendall Weaver uh, and Zarek Anyema uh, from UT Arlington and UTEP. One a guard, another a uh, forward, both uh, selecting the Longhorns. Weaver was the WAC freshman of the year last year uh, out of the Mansfield area up in Dallas. He joins Max Asmus uh, in the backcourt for Longhorns as transfers, uh, while Zarek Anyema joins uh, Caden Shedrick from Virginia as a front court transfer. Uh, what are y'all y'all's thoughts about those people that were trying to bury Rodney Terry before he even got going? Uh, I'll jump on this one first because Ian is the master when it comes to um, college football, X's and O's, football in general, sports in general, life in general, politics, ethics in general. But his basketball takes hurt my soul. So I'm going to start on this one. Um yeah, Max Ames and Caden Shedrick are huge, but Weaver and this and Zamir, these are good players. Uh, Weaver's a guy that was really under the radar uh, out of Mansfield Timberview. He, he had a phenomenal senior year, a long run. Jerry went to see him play, said he might have been one of the most under-recruited guards in the country. And we know it's a college game is a, is a guard-driven organization. That's the way it rolls, especially when March comes around. So you want as many of those ball handlers and shooters as you can get. And with me, I think Weaver's a big addition there because he's got some length. He's got a little bit of uh, a twitch, and he's just a great ball handler. Um, I don't think you can throw dirt on Rodney Terry yet. It's a little early. Granted, the Arterio Morris thing stung a little bit. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, Tyrese Hunter still, you know, in limbo. What's going to happen with them? And then, obviously, A.J. Johnson going to the land down under uh, burned as well. But the Ron Holland thing is the one that, overshadows all these moves right now. Uh, yesterday, 24-7 re released the ranking. He's the number one player in the country for good reason. Absolutely dominated McDonald's. And so I don't want to say Terry's out of the thick of it yet, Bobby. I feel like let's see what happens with Deron Holland. Not to, you know, poop on the, on, the, on the last two guys that just inked yesterday, but I still feel like for Terry to turn that corner in front of fans, we need some resolution with the Ron Holland situation. Yeah, and I don't know that they're going to immediately get it, but uh, I do think uh, that uh, it's a reality that Texas right now uh, is playing for behind in that recruitment. It seems and sounds like from talking to Jerry behind the scenes that Arkansas, Justin and Ian, uh, playing yeah. uh, playing with a, a stacked deck. Very involved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, now it's time for our weekly trivia question, and then we're going to get to y'all's questions. Uh, and take uh, any comments y'all want to talk about, whether it's uh, football, uh, the football team, recruiting, basketball, whatever you guys want to talk about, that's what we'll do for the next hour. Uh, but first, I want to uh, bring up our trivia question 
of the week, and it is sponsored by the guys over at Last Stand Hats. LastStandHats.com. Use promo code Bobby10 for 10% off. They've got cool hats like the one I like to wear uh, here all the hunt, all the time with the hook of horns on it. Uh, LastStandHats.com. Okay, Justin and Ian. First person that gets this uh, gets a gets a shout out here on the uh, program. Uh, the question is. Jalen Ford led the Longhorns in tackles last year with 119, right? In the previous 10 years, what single who led the team in tackles from a single season number? Who had the highest number of tackles in a single season prior to Jalen Ford's 119? Let's see if uh, some people get Ian, who did you originally guess? Well, I don't think I made an original guess, but I I think my guess would be can I say it? Is that going to spoil it? Go ahead. I would, no. I would guess Malik Jefferson in 2017. Okay. Uh, Justin, or, where did you go with it? Um, Man, Malik missed some games in that year. Ian, remember down the stretch, he missed some games at the end of the year. But that's a good guess. Did he? Um, dang, that's a good question, Bobby. Well, then you got to go Jordan Hicks in 2014 would be the next probably. All right. Yeah. He was all over the field. I'll, I'll throw one in. Um, Brecken Hager. Brecken Hager led the team in one. Uh, but I believe, wait a minute, I think Jamar is first here. Or no, Brett Nelson is. Is that right, Matt, our producer? Was it Brett? Uh, he's saying yes to me. So uh, sometimes when you all type them in, it may look different on your screen. But uh, from the timestamp, it, it appears Brett Nelson got this right. In 2014, Charlie's Jordan first Hicks. Year. 20, 2014, Jordan Hicks had 116 uh, tackles. What's interesting to me, the guy alongside him, Steve Edmond, finished that year with 112. Yeah. That was the dynamic wow. duo for Texas. Two linebackers, 116 and 112. Woo. David Benda, Maurice Blackwell, Anthony Hill have that kind of year alongside Jalen Ford this year. Uh, we could be talking about a different kind of uh, Texas defense, that's for sure. Congrats to Brett Nelson. Uh, also, thanks, Jay, the activist, for that super chat. Uh, and, yes, it is rat poison, uh, to quote Nick Saban, another uh, venerable coach that's been around the block a little while, uh, a long while as well. All right. Let's get going here, guys. Uh, I want to take some question and answer a little bit from the crowd. Uh, Justin, let's start with this question. Uh, is, right as of right now, Zena Omiozulu a take for this team? Or do we know whether he's a take at this point? Yes, he is a take. And yes, he's actually a priority. Uh, Jeff Cho, that, that recruitment began with Pete Kwiatkowski. And uh, it, and it kind of overlapped with his brother, Neto Umiazulu, signing with the class of 2022. So there was a relationship building process there before Zena was the focus of the recruitment. Now that he is, and Neto's, you know, battling for the, the starting, one of the starting guard spots on the offensive line in 2023, according to Zena and, and the Allen coaches, um, he's a priority. He's a guy that you want to bring in. Funny enough, he's growing. He's still growing. We met him three years ago. He was small, skinny. Now he's now he's growing. He's, coaches say he's up to about 6'4 six, 6'5", 230, 235 pounds. Interesting enough, they're going to move him at Allen to inside linebacker some this fall. And the reason is, one, to get – one of their best, probably their best defender in the middle of the field as much as possible. Two, he wants to add to his versatility when he gets to the college game because he knows he's not just going to be, he can't just be a one trick pony, you know, playing off the edge with his hand in the ground. He wants to be able to be versatile and to be able to, 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 to come in and do different things. And so, interestingly enough, Jeff Choate has kind of taken over that recruitment, uh, the linebacker coach at Texas. And, and I still, the Horns still envision him as an edge, obviously. But his relationship with Coach Cho is is growing by by the day. He's been to Texas three times since the beginning of 2023. He uh, and and right now there there's about three or four schools that are that that have a good shot. Texas is squarely in the mix. Uh, Miami is in the mix. Oklahoma is one that that people need to watch out for. And LSU might be getting an official visit this summer as well. But yes, Zena is a take right now. Texas loves his upside. 
Um, obviously, with his brother there, it, it, it's a big deal. They're not a package deal like a lot of people would think, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if they did play at the same school at the same time. So to answer his question, yes, Zena is, is still a priority. Choke went by Allen uh, a couple weeks ago with that handheld video camera that the dads used to take to all the Little League games in the 90s. I call it the A.J. Milwee because he carried it to Louisiana every time to go film Arch Manning. Instead of just using his smartphone, they break out the old handheld camera. Jeff Choate had it in Allen, and he videoed the entire practice of Xena. I'd call that a priority. Justin, I, Justin, why why do all these high school edges want to play middle linebacker? Do they watch the draft? I don't think he necessarily <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> I mean, wait, how many, how many, how many edges went first overall or went in the first round? Six? Yeah. Big 12 alone. I don't and think. And then when they is... took that Iowa kid, everybody was like, what are you doing taking that guy in the first round, Detroit? No, no, no. You, that's an excellent question. I don't think Zena envisions himself as a linebacker in college. Okay. I think he likes the ability to be versatile. He wants to show people he can cover in space. He wants to show people he's more than just a guy that can bend the edge and go after the quarterback. Whereas in this day and age, that's one of the most premier spots on the field is the ability to disrupt an offense and get to the quarterback. I think Zena is really trying to be a team player. They have lost a lot of talent over the last three or four years from either from graduation, transfers, kids moving in and out. And so Zena's basically their, their best defensive guy. And if I'm a defensive coordinator, I've got to put my best guy in the best position to succeed. And for Allen to, to have success, I think moving Zena around is the reason he's doing that. Okay. I want to go to, you know, I want to ask you this question, uh, Ian. Over under from Kingman. Uh, and Daniel Kinneman, thanks for the question on Zena Omimozulu. Uh, on on Kingman, Kingme is asking over under, Texas has three first round draft picks on this year's team. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, not necessarily for 2024, but overall, I would take the over. Overall, I would take the over. For 2023-24, I would probably take the under. What are your thoughts? No, I'm I'm with you. I think Quinn Ewers is probably the best bet at a first-round pick for this next draft. And then probably Xavier Worthy if he had a really big season. Would be, I don't, I just, I don't think he's going to go in the first round either. But, but like, Jatavian Sanders is not going to go in the first round. Yes. Tidings, Did you just watch the draft? I didn't, <laughs> don't go in the first that often. Uh, it's possible, but I, I would bet against it. And then, um, you know, I, most of their, most of their like premier talents are too young. Yeah. Like Terrence Brooks, maybe first round someday. I don't know. Kelvin Banks. Kelvin Banks for sure. And um, I don't know about any of the other linemen. Maybe Jonte Cook. We'll see what he's got in a couple of years. But that's like three years out. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go under. But they, they have a few overall. Justin, what do you think? Yes or no? I, I think with a, gr- with a good year, Quinn Ewers is going in the top 10, top 15. We've seen the emphasis on quarterbacks. Caleb Williams will go first. Drake Mayo goes second. Quinn's likely going to go third. Jatavian Sanders is a first-round draft pick in the NFL, even if tight ends aren't an emphasis. At his size, his catcher mitt hands, and what he did last season, that development, he's only improving. He's, he was the number one athlete in the country for a reason coming out of his cycle. And so with the emphasis that people are putting on tight ends, this last draft was one of the best in a decade. So I don't know what the tight end class looks like next year. If it's not as strong, Sanders is definitely going to be looked at in the first round. If it's stacked like it was again this year, he may be later on, late first, early second. But I think that the schools are going to, franchises are going to see Sanders as just a jumbo, huge athlete that can play inline, that can flex out, has soft, big hands. Um, man, I, if you look at all these mock drafts, that they think the same thing. I think Worthy's a fringe guy at the end of the first, early second depending on how he does at the combine, what he runs, how he interviews, and how healthy he is in this junior year. Yeah, my, t- my take's a little bit different than, than y'all's. I think that um, Jatavian Sanders is the first, second-round guy, depending on other aspects, what needs are, that sort of stuff. So does he have first-round ability? Absolutely. Will he necessarily go in the 
first round. I think that depends on what a team needs at some level. That's number one. Number two, Quinn Ewers. I, I, I'm a little bit more hesitant there than I am uh, with uh, Jatavian Sanders because I think Quinn actually has to show some technical improvement this year uh, more so than he did a year ago or even that he did sometimes this spring. So I think he still has a little bit more uh, work ahead of him. Uh, physically and talent-wise, I don't think there's any question. My question in all of this, though, and this is the one that kind of gets me, is what do the receivers look like next year? Like, I know um, uh, Marvin Harrison Marvin Jr. Harrison. at Ohio State is uh, expected to be number one. But after that, who really is next? Is there, a, is there an odds-on favorite at that point? This time last year, we were talking about Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith Jigba. I mean, everybody knew them. But other than Harrison, who's anybody talking about? And this season will depend on that. And I'll say this. I, I'm not going to be surprised if A.D. Mitchell, um, just based on what I saw and the times I saw him in, in practice and at the spring game, he's got some ability that's potentially first round too. Now, it may be the guys that look for the bigger wide receivers, uh, like the San Diego or the L.A. Chargers, I guess, uh, is the, the name of them now. But uh, that's th those are all guys. And then beyond this year, I think you're just looking at a slew of guys, whether it's Arch Manning, uh, Kelvin Banks, uh, and possibly some guys like uh, Anthony Hill. You know, I don't think Jalen Ford is necessarily a first rounder. He got, uh, a, I believe, he got a second round grade though when he went to the to the committee this this off season or whatnot. And I'm not sure how they break them down. I know it changes sometimes, but I don't think Ford's a first rounder either. But he certainly worked his way into a second round, third round conversation to where he had to talk to his mother about potentially leaving early. All right, Jay, the activist, crazy arm QBs go top 10 every year. Quinn will go in round one, and teams will say they can fix him. Yep. Except for Will Levis went, or however you say his last name, went in the second round. Yeah. Tennessee tried to trade up in the end of the first round to get him, and then you got Ursay coming out saying, well, if Richardson would have been gone, I would have drafted Levis with the fourth pick. Le Levis also was not actually that good, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> That is Quinn, the ultimate they think they can fix him, right? Quinn is like um, Zach Wilson. Like Zach Wilson goes to the combine, right? And he like throws it 60 yards, hits a guy in stride off his back foot like Nowitzki or something, and then boom, top five. Quinn is, gonna, Quinn is absolutely going to be that guy. <laughs> something absolutely ridiculous that makes people go gaga and then other people yeah. push back. And Yeah, I'm with Jay. All right, Jay, thanks for the thanks for the super chat. We appreciate it. Uh, Want to go next to Brett Nelson. Brett, is it too much to expect for Texas to average 45 points a game this year? Man, they're going to have to score 60 against Rice and uh, Wyoming to get that number, is my opinion. Uh, I don't I don't see that as a possibility. Uh, Ian, Justin, did they even do that back in 05? In 05, they averaged 50. And that was in a, 08, 09 with Colt, did they average that much? I don't think so. Ian, you're, you're a stats guy. Don't worry about that question. Worry about this one. Can Texas average 45 points a game this year, in your opinion? Well, the new rule probably means no. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, I, I had to catch myself on that. It's like, oh, yeah, there's that new rule. So they're not stopping the clock to reset the chains. Um, so you're going to get, I don't know what the calculus is on that, maybe 10 less plays per game. And then I, that's, it's going to, that's going to dip it down a little bit. Um, they scored 42.4 in 2008. So between those two data points, I'm going to say no, if they can get anywhere close to 40, that's probably, probably a good, good benchmark. 37 maybe would be a good season. About gotcha. what we're looking for. Speaking with, thanks, Brett Nelson, for the super chat. Speaking with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton, and this is the Longhorn live stream every Friday. Jerry Hamilton is usually with us on Fridays, but he's actually in the air coming back from uh, Florida uh, right now, back to his hometown of Houston. Uh, so Justin is sitting in for him. We appreciate Justin uh, for doing so. And with that, I'm going to ask Justin a recruiting question from Alan Barrera. Has Micah Hudson, the wide receiver from Lake Belton, set up an official an official visit to Texas for June. 
as of this morning, I don't believe he has a finalized date, but I do know the conversation is surrounding the June 23rd to 25th weekend. Uh, I spoke to his teammate and good friend, Selman Bridges, last night, uh, who confirmed to me, reconfirmed that he will be on campus the 23rd and 25th for an official visit. Those two guys are close. I, I And I'm not saying package deal type close, but they, they do a lot of things together. And taking an official to Texas would make a lot of sense. Um, Mike is very close to the vest with this recruitment. And the further we get into it, the less you're going to see him. He likes kind of keeping his uh, M.O. on the low, on the down low. Uh, that's just kind of his personality. But I, I would be I would be surprised if he doesn't take an official on the 23rd to the 25th. It's nothing's set in stone yet. Nothing's been announced of that sort. Uh, we'll be keep catching up with Micah over the next few days before the uh, Lake Belton heads to the state track meet in Austin next weekend. Uh, but. Yeah, to answer your question, it's not officially set up, but I would be moderately surprised if it's not the 23rd, 25th weekend, which is turning into a big weekend with, with, with the number one running back, Jarrett Gibson, uh, with a handful of big-time offensive linemen. That, Kobe Black, uh, we broke that yesterday. He'll be in there for that same weekend, a big five-star from Connolly right down the road from Lake Belton. So nothing in stone, but uh, I'd, be, I'd be a little surprised if he's not in that last weekend in June. One follow-up to that, Justin, uh, Sam Spiegelman, on three regional recruiting guy, put in an RPM pick for Micah Hudson to Texas Tech this past week. What are your thoughts on that? I mean. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs> There's... Micah doesn't know where he's going. And so that Sam Spiegelman doesn't know where he's going. His head coach doesn't know where he's going. If you speak to his mom, his mom doesn't know where he's going. We've got a pretty good idea. It's going to be about four or five schools. Texas squarely in it. Texas Tech squarely in it. Ohio State's going to get a visit. Alabama could probably get a visit. A&M is, is clamoring for a visit. But anybody that says, you know, puts in a prediction, that's it's it's a guess. It's a guess thing right now. And I know Sam does a tremendous job at on three. He, you know, that he does great work. But in this particular recruitment, Bobby, nobody knows that answer because Micah doesn't. And, yeah. and listen, when he knows, he's going to let people know. It, it, it'll be public. Don't worry, don't, don't worry about that. But right now, any RPM for Micah Hudson is purely a guesswork. Gotcha. So looking forward potentially to a June 23rd through 25th official visit with teammate Lake Belton to, Tex uh, to Texas, uh, teammate Selman Bridges to Texas on the 23rd through the 25th. We'll have to wait and see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, I want to say uh, we're going to continue taking y'all's questions. I want to say first thanks again to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky over at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking for to get out of the nine to five, uh, own your own business with no limits on your time uh, and or uh, the opportunity to make an, a certain amount of money, uh, give Andy a shout at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He puts you through a test. Uh, ask you how much time you have available, how much money you have to invest, what you like to do, and then tries to match you up with a, the right franchise that fits your skill set. Uh, give Andy a shout at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Andy's a Longhorn alum, uh, like so many of us uh, as well. All right, let's get back to it, guys. Uh, some, some good stuff. I want to mention this. Uh, because if people don't know uh, what happened to Peter and Poggy, 
uh, defensive line uh, man from the Houston area. Signed with Texas, I think, in 18 or 19. Is that right, guys? Justin? 18. Yeah. Uh, he was soon after uh, arriving at Texas, like within the first year, they found a heart abnormality. Um, last year, I guess within the last nine to 12 months, Peter Mapagi had a heart transplant, a successful one, as far as we know. Yes. Um, and so uh, thumbs up. Uh, very happy to, to say that. And so if people are wondering whatever happened to him, that is what happened. He was a he was a, a guy that had a lot of Charles O'Minahue type traits coming in, uh, but uh, did not have the uh, uh, just had a, a heart bad heart. Uh, but he's got a new one now. What do you hey, want to say, Justin? Bobby Peter walked last night. Oh, he did got, he really? Absolutely. Peter he, he got his friend. He is a he loves inside Texas. He is a great guy. You you nailed every part of that. He is doing great. He has a renewed. I mean, he he was down for a few years, Bobby, because I mean, he he had such a future ahead of him. He loved playing football, but then you know sometimes things happen. And Peter took it in stride. He has battled time in and time out. If you ever need to be proud of somebody that that that's walked with with, with a Longhorn degree, it's Peter and Podgy. Yeah, he walked last night, Bobby. Great story. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, let's ask this, and Ian, this one's for you, buddy. Compared to Brown, Strong, and Herman. So, Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, and Tom Herman, uh, his immediate predecessors. Do you believe Steve Sarkeesian gets enough credit for being a QB whisperer? Look, Herman is the only one of that group that had that thought process, maybe, prior to his arrival in Austin because of what he did uh, with Ohio State's third-string quarterback, Cardell Jones, in leading the Buckeyes uh, to the national championship. You know, truth be told, that Buckeyes team had, what, 10 first-round draft picks surrounding him and Ezekiel Elliott running the running the pigskin. So uh, it was more than just the third-string quarterback there. Um, I personally give Sark more than enough credit uh, because of his history. I mean, Ian, list some of the guys that you know of uh, that uh, Sark has, has tutored into first-round picks. Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez, Mac Jones, Tua Tonga Vailoa, Jake Locker. Number 10. Locker the first. Um, uh, I believe there was another one in at USC, but I cannot. John David oh, Booty. No, he well, went to first Matt round Castle league. went pro as a backup. Yeah. And made it in the league. Uh, yeah. but look, the, the reality of it is he worked with Matt Ryan in Atlanta too. He also recruited yeah. Bryce Young to Alabama he from USC. <laughs> yeah. And so let's, yeah. Let's let's <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's any question that from uh, that standpoint, uh, we believe that uh, he's a special guy. Uh, I will say I will say that uh I, I think Sark's one of his gifts with quarterbacks is that he sets them up for success really well. Uh, Tom Herman, you could argue, squeezed more out of his quarterbacks in college than Sark does, but he would put a lot on their plates and use them up a little bit. Like what he did with Jones was nice. What he did with um, Greg Ward and with Sam Ellinger was actually kind of impressive too. He had those guys doing a lot on the field for him and carrying their teams, but he didn't surround them with talent and set them up to look good for the NFL the same way that Sark does. Got it. Uh, Joe, Justin, any updates on Colin Simmons, the talented edge prospect out of Duncanville, or is he still LSU bound? I wouldn't say he's LSU bound at all. Colin Simmons is, is similar to what we, uh, we talked about earlier with Micah Hudson. Colin Simmons doesn't know where he's going. And this one is the definition of a marathon. And we're on like mile five. Okay, so you got to buckle up with Colin Simmons. Um, I, we, we expect him at Inside Texas. We reported on Monday. We expect him to take an official visit in that weekend that we had spoke about earlier in the show. Uh, on the 23rd and 25th, it's not completely nailed down yet, but, but there's a good chance that's when he's going to be in there. Um, Texas, Texas looks great here. They really do. But so does Georgia. So does Alabama. So does LSU. I mean, you're battling – three teams that have national championships in the last three or four years. And that's what this is going to come down to. If Texas makes it to the big 12 championship and they, they, they really have some good momentum going into that early signing period, they are 
squarely in it for Colin. They will be one of the last few teams standing for, for, for the number one edge in the country. If they're not, I can see him going out of state, going another direction, going somewhere that just had a dozen kids drafted in the NFL or another program with eight or nine kids drafted in the NFL. Colin Simmons is going to go where he can get developed. Uh, but right now, there's really not any updates. Colin's another one that's a little more close to the vest. I know our Chad Simmons at On3 does a great job with coverage with, with Colin. Um, but at the end of the day, Colin doesn't know where he's going to go. So I wouldn't say he's LSU bound, and I would say Texas is definitely in it. I expect him on campus for an official visit in late June. And if they have a good 2023 season with momentum in December, man, they'll start cooking with gas. <laughs> Once again, guys, uh, welcome to the live stream. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I'm joined by Justin Wells and Ian Boyd uh, of InsideTexas.com. We're taking your questions the rest of the way here. we got about 25 more minutes. So please queue up uh, some questions uh, and get them in, and we'll start trying to get to them as quickly as possible. I, I want to circle back first. Casey Lane did us a favor and looked this up, guys. Uh, 2008, Texas averaged 42.4 points per game. 2009, 39.3 points per game. I don't think there's any question it's going to be hard for Texas football to average 45 points a game in uh, 2022. Um, let's go down to, to a little bit different question and one that I think is, is fair as well. And this one's from Harrison Saunders. I feel confident in the football team's talent and the coach's ability to, to develop. Where I still have doubts is in Sark's in-game ability to adjust to what the opponent is doing that is beating us. Fair, fair. Uh, assessment, Ian? I feel like it's kind of early to tell because Texas didn't really have much to adjust with in the last two seasons. In that first year, I mean, they just didn't have that much talent. So they could script up something and catch a team. But once the script ran out and it just came down to execution, they were, you know, not a very good team on offense. Last year, they had a lot more talent and a lot more weapons. But Quinn Ewers was very, very new to the system. Like uh, we can all remember, they ran some crucial third down, maybe fourth down plays against Kansas State late in that game. They would dial something up. Kansas State would show just a terrible, terrible look, and Texas would run the play anyway. They didn't have a lot of ability to recognize and adjust. Across the team, and particularly a quarterback, you really need a guy that knows the system to be able to turn – to the deeper pages of the playbook and, and bring out the counters to the counters, you know? So it, it's possible that this is not a particular strength of, of Sarks, but I would like to see him with a, you know, veteran quarterback before we really make that pronouncement. Cause without a veteran quarterback, it's hard to, it's hard to make a lot of in-game adjustments. I, I agree with you. And I think they lack the ability to counter punch is really what you're saying. You know, um, they had a little bit more uh, to them this past year, uh, but not totally enough uh, in that regard. Justin, what do you think about this one? Do you feel like Sark's got to prove his ability to adjust in game? No, I think Ian nailed it. Uh, it's too early to tell right now. And I think this will be the season where we can see the counters on the counters because Quinn Ewers is going to be deeper in that playbook. Uh, the offensive line returns everyone. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but I'm with Ian. Like, it, it's just a little too soon to, to, to make that proclamation. We saw a lot of close games last year, so I felt like he's at least closed that gap from that first season. And so that, to me, um, that's an Ian Boyd special, and he absolutely killed it. He did have the game against Baylor where they recognized in the second half, like, we can't block their blitzes. Yes. But their defensive backs are just getting mauled by Whittington and our tight ends. And so they just, we all remember they had like two drives in a row where they just lined up and they hammered the same weakness over and over again and ran the ball every play down the field for two touchdown drives. And that's what beat Baylor. So that was a pretty good adjustment right there. Good, good example, Ian. Very good. Harrison, thanks for the question. Uh, this one from Jarrett Johnson. Uh, what does a prototypical Steve Sarkeesian tight end look like coming out of high school? I don't know that he has a prototypical. I think he wants playmakers and blockers. Though, you know, if you could dial up a, a, a synopsis, he wants one, somebody that can move people 
um, in the run game and then somebody that presents a problem in the passing game. Uh, Justin, Ian, either one of you want to take that? I'll, I'll just make a note. I, I think I don't think Sark has a type. I think Jeff Banks has a type, and it, it's two types. He likes to have an inline blocker slash kind of big offensive tackle-ish type kid in one take, and the other take he wants the flex-out guy that can be more versatile, can, can line up in different spots, can do different things. So I don't know if there's like one prototype, but I feel like Jeff Banks likes to have one of each. The inline guy that could – you know, add 30 or 40 pounds and be a tackle. And then the athletic flex guy that that, that can be more um, versatile across, uh, you know, all the schemes. Jerry, he'll use them both on special teams too. Both those types. Interesting. Jared, thanks for that question. Uh, Going on to horn seven. Uh, Justin, I'm coming back to you here. Does it look like the Texas staff is going after a balanced recruiting class or is it going to be more weighted to defense this year? I, that's too little too general. I think uh, every class is trying to be balanced. And in that, I mean, they're trying to fill holes. Uh, you know, if you only take, you know, uh, two tight ends and, you know, let's say they didn't take any tight ends on the last cycle, well, then you're probably going to have to take two or three in the next one. That, that Let's go back to the one before last year. They, they didn't, I don't believe they took any. And then they had to take two in this last one. And it looks like they're going to try to take two in this one. And so I don't think it's ever shifted one way or the other to offense or defense. Granted, you you might bring in a handful of higher ranked offensive players in a particular class, like last year with Arch, Jonte, Cedric Baxter, guys like that. Whereas in the next cycle on the defensive side, it could be star heavy on that end as well. You know, from like an Anthony Hill, from a Sadir Mitchell, from a Terrence Brooks, you know, guys like that. And so I don't think it's ever weighted one way or the other. Often the star rankings might do the weighting on its own. Sark is always looking for the perfect balance. I think they'll always take – Choice always wants to take two tight ends. I mean, two running backs in every class. They're always going to get at least three receivers because you're going to leave a spot for a portal in, in, in particularly. And so I'm not sure it ever weighs one way or the other. I feel like it's a balance across the board, and they just fill in the needs class to class. Do you think they're going to – I'm looking at E. Kim's question here. Do you think they're going to try to take two this year, tight ends? I do – I do. I do. I think they're going to try to take the Langham Creek kid, Jordan Washington, who they just offered a few days ago. Uh, I, I know they like him. Banks had been by there a couple times to see him. And then I think the other tight end spot is going to be left open for a, a cherry picked national guy, you know, because Banks, it, it, Banks will go after those stars, man. He loves those four and five star elite guys with those elite traits. And so I feel like they'll, they'll get the safe guy in Jordan Washington and then they'll look nationally and try to, to hit a home run with a bigger kid, possibly a Reiner Swanson out of California, a Colton Heinrich. Um, you know, there's a number of those guys. And so that that's where I think they'll go with 2024s. Got it. Um, all right. Let's keep going here. Dodgers uh, 988 fan out of the current uncommitted prospects for the 24 class. Who is one player on both sides of the ball? You guys would like to see jump into this class. Uh, boy, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm going to say, I'm going to do this first. And on offense, there are a lot of guys out there, obviously, still early in the process. Texas with only three commitments total. I'm going to say Daniel Cruz, the center out of Richland, uh, Richland Hills in the Dallas area, uh, Fort Worth area. He is going to be a guy that Texas wants really badly and a guy they need to kind of be an anchor point uh, for this offensive line class. On defense, uh, boy, it's going to be hard for me to say not Colin Simmons, given the, the immense need Texas has at that edge position. Justin, where do you want to go with this? Yeah, uh, offense is easy. Micah Hudson. That's it. That's numero uno. They get him on offense. It's a successful offensive haul. On defense, uh, I agree with you on Colin Simmons, but I'm going to go a little bit more behind. I am a huge fan of Justin Williams, a linebacker out of uh, Conroe Oak Ridge. If I had, if it was up to me, and that's what the question is, who would I like to see jump into this class? It's the best inside linebacker in the state of Texas and one of the best in the country. After signing four or five guys last year, uh, big-time guys and some of those that that filled a lot of holes, I still want Justin Williams because he has a Harold Perkins, Anthony Hillish type ceiling. And so if I'm looking at one on each side of the ball, give give me two guys that I expect to see in the first round in four years, Micah Hudson and Justin Williams. 
Fair enough. Let's go to this one. From the Green Lantern, I am late coming to the party, so I don't know if this has already been covered. Are there any June enrollees who have a chance to play during the first four games of the season? Let's go over those June enrollees that I've got. Uh, on offense, Will Randall, Spencer Shannon, Trey Wisner. Uh, those are the tight end, two tight ends. Running back, Ryan Niblett, wide receiver, Trevor Goosby, offensive tackle. I personally think of, of that group, the only one that I could see playing really early is Spencer Shannon. And that's if, if there's an injury at tight end or Spencer Shannon comes in ready to go and is already a better blocker than maybe Juan Davis. Uh, Y'all agree with that on offense? Yeah, probably none of those guys. Yeah, this is a deep team and that's a great sign. Okay. On on the defensive side of the ball, guys coming in in June, Facilia Kana, Derek Williams, safety out of Louisiana, Jelani McDonald, the safety linebacker, whatever he is, out of Waco, Warren Roberson, the safety out of Red Oak, uh, Samaje Burrell, uh, linebacker out of North Crowley, Billy Walton, uh, also coming in. What are your all's thoughts on those guys? Anybody play early? Some of those, some of those guys will play on special teams, right? Um, but in the two deep, probably not. Maybe Derek Williams. Maybe I would have said Akana potentially as a pass rusher, like on third down, but that was before we saw Anthony Hill. So probably, probably that will not be an available role this coming year. Yeah, Ju- Justin, what do you think on that? That group? who did you say before? Oh yeah, listen. The sooner Derek Williams learns the defense, the sooner he's going to play. And once he starts playing, I don't know if he's going to come off the field. This kid has as much upside at safety as any any in the country this last cycle. The Louisiana product is is a he's a raptor. There's a reason that's his nickname. He just plays down dog dirty. So I think of all those guys, and and you're talking about a, a stack, not stack, but you're talking about a lot of. Uh, veterans in the secondary from Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson, who locked a lot of, a lot of starts. Keaton Crawford's back there. Now BJ Allen had had a good spring as well. Um, But man, I'm telling you, Derek Williams is a little different. And when he comes on the field, I feel like that's a guy that's going to flash on special teams in like a Mo Blackwell type way. And the sooner he learns that, that, that boundary safety or the free safety spot or field safety spot, I don't see him coming off the field. I, I got to say this real quick. I mean, just uh, Ian brought this up, guys, uh, and talked about special teams. I look for length and speed that and athleticism, that those combos on special teams. Not that that's all, that's the only thing you can have, but Derek Williams fits that. Jelani McDonald fits that. Billy Walton fits that for their, for their positions, right? So maybe not as an early guy playing, uh, but special teams does count. Uh, there for sure. All right, There's the Green Lantern, thanks. I hope you uh, got caught up there and we gave you a little input there. All right, uh, Jay the Activist has another question. Thanks for the super chat, Jay. How does Texas project on defense, Ian? Better versus the run or the pass? Ooh, good question. They should be... I mean, I, I'm going to say that they might be uniquely good against the pass. They're going to be good in run defense. They have so many big defensive tackles. Their defensive line should be a little better overall. Ford is back, et cetera, et cetera. So they're going to be very good in run defense, but they may be uniquely good in college football against the pass because all these good cornerbacks that they've assembled, the experience at safety, Jalen Ford is a terrific coverage linebacker. David Benda is actually a very good coverage linebacker as well. Um, if they if he ends up winning the starting job, it's potentially an upgrade in coverage over Overshone. And uh, probably the pass rush gets a little better as well. I know that's the question mark. So because of the lack of a dominant pass rusher, you might say run defense, but I think that their ability to lock people up in coverage is going to be pretty pretty dominant. I'm going to say this, and I, I agree with you, and I think the issue here is they've got numbers in the secondary, too, and experience. Adding Catalan and Holmes, yep. now they've got a guy, whether it's going to be Brooks or Holmes, that can actually 
be a, a man up guy on the in, in the uh, field side. They're not going to be given that five and seven yard cushion on third and four as often as they did a year ago. Um, and you take that away from teams, all of a sudden this Texas team looks a little bit different. And I think Ian said it the right way. I think they can be good against the run, but they're going to be uniquely good potentially against the pass. I, overall, it should be a, a very, very good defense. All right, let's move to George Lotet, Lopez. Uh, George, thanks for the uh, super chat. First time, but long time sub. What's the latest on the DL recruits? Hook them horns. Justin, you you go for it. We've talked at length about uh, Colin Simmons. Name some of the other guys that you think Texas has a chance at and going hard at, like Alex January. Start with him, whose dad, Mike, played for the Longhorns. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's, that's who I was going to start with. Alex January said his official visits last week. He's going to take his last one to Texas, the 23rd to the 25th. Um, the horns remain, I think, the, the, the pace car in that recruitment, uh, catching up with his father and some of those close to the, to the Duncanville program. Uh, the schools to watch are LSU and Florida State. They've made a really strong impression on January. I think his heart is in Austin, but also think he wants to be wowed and, and, and you know, dined and wined and all that kind of stuff, it, it, you know, it, like a lot of these kids want to go through. And so LSU and Florida State are also going to get him on campus for officials. I think that'll be a July decision, a relatively early July decision. Uh, but Texas still, they look the best there right now. You got Terrence Hibbler. He's another one that, that's been on campus already. They're in the mix there, but they're getting an official from him. And then you have DeAndre Robinson. You know, Jerry's, he, we, we met him uh, during one of the junior days in Austin uh, a few months ago and really engaging kid, really, you know, bright kid. And then Jerry went down there to Orlando and, and saw him this week. And, and, and he's another one that, you know, that's going to come down to Texas or Florida, Ohio State. And so they're, they're, they're throwing up, they're casting a wide net around that Southeast region for the defensive lineman because in-state is a little down for 2024. Now 2025 is going to jump right back up for defensive linemen. There's some, there's some dogs on their way back up, uh, namely Michael Riles, a new offer out of Port Arthur uh, uh, Memorial. But at the end of the day, Alex January, I feel like, is probably uh, one of the strongest candidates. Terrence Hibbler, I think Texas is trending with him right now. Uh, and then uh, like a DeAndre Robinson out of Florida, he's a kid that if you go the distance and, and, and check all those boxes and he enjoys coming back to Austin, they're squarely in that one. Got it. Uh, thanks, George, for the super chat again. We appreciate it. Uh, go with this one uh, from David Williams. With UT recruiting so much high-level talent from Florida and Louisiana, do coaches subconsciously want to get production from the out-of-state talent more in order to further recruit in those states? Um no, they want to win football games. <laughs> I, I know that you can look into it, that sort of thing. And oftentimes they'll, you know, you can say that, but it's just not how it works. They go with production. Uh, football coaches do 99 times out of 100. Uh, and that's from firsthand experience watching those guys do it uh, back when I was there. I mean, it, it just was not the same thing. I do want to say uh, one quick note here uh, about this. We neglected to mention a guy coming in June that definitely is going to see game potential in the first four games, and that's the Stanford Cardinal punter, Ryan Sanborn. He will be the uh, team's uh, starter at punter, almost out of uh, the gate, in our opinion, uh, as well. Uh, also, uh, Ryan Nelson uh, talking about Derek Williams, nicknamed the Raptor. He's going to be special in fall camp. Uh, just, uh, Ian, this one's going to be for you from Ashton Holloman. Does any, anyone think the departure of Gary Patterson will have a negative impact on the defense this year? Ian? I'm going to say no. I think just because Pete Kwiatkowski has shown that he's kind of the ultimate collaborative team player. And now that they have, now that they know what they want to do as a defensive staff and how to fit all the pieces together when they'd never worked together before. And, you know, the, Secondary guys have done things totally different than he'd done in Washington. I think now that they have kind of a coherent vision that they're going to be very good. What if do you I'm think, wrong, Justin? If I'm wrong, then, you know, go ahead, Justin. No, no. I mean, that, that's an Ian Boyd question. Uh, that's a great question, Ashton. Um, I, I, I honestly, I think the only negative impact it's going to have is not so much on Texas defense, but rather – 
the, the game planning the week ahead of some of the opponents that, especially in the Big 12, that Patterson was so familiar with because he is one of the best things he does as a coach is find tendencies, find weaknesses and mismatches and exploits those things. And so that little bit of help he would give PK and the staff throughout the week through Big 12 play, that to me is going to be the part that they miss. All right. Going to go to Daddy Trill Beef here. He likes to, he likes, I got to be honest. Daddy Trill Beef. <laughs> he, like, he likes to uh, to poke a little bit here. I see nine wins this year. Justin, we talked about this last week. How many wins do you see? Ten. Ian? Before the Big 12 championship. Same. So, so wait, so you say you see a 10 and two regular season, Justin? Yes. I see Ian, the same thing. Yeah. And y'all think both of the, you both think they'll play for the Big 12 championship at the very least? Yes. Probably better. <laughs> well, right. they'll be there just like 2018, but I can't tell you past that. You yeah. don't want to get a lot of more Urban Meyer backhanded compliments than you better <laughs> win them. I was going to say that, that, you know, we started the show off with that Urban Meyer piece, uh, and that's probably where we need to end it. Um, Urban Meyer coming out today saying that he doesn't know if another team top to bottom has as same level of talent or is te Texas as good talent wise as any team in the country. Uh, those are big words. The other thing that, that uh, Meyer said that I do agree with, they have to put it all together. And that's what we as uh, onlookers, reporters, fans, whatever, uh, want to see more than anything is is and can uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his group of coaches uh, get this out uh, and going next season. One final question uh, for today, I believe, uh, and this is going to come from our boy David Williams, who we always enjoy hearing from. The biggest issue on offense last year was not throwing the ball to a variety of receivers, instead targeting one receiver. The biggest issue on defense was not pressing receivers instead of instead allowing free releases. Yes, on part one. On part two, that was more on Deshaun Jameson in the in the field corner that we were talking about. Ryan Ryan Watts actually pressed quite a lot. So did Jade Barron. So uh, that's what I meant. The value of a Gavin Holmes and potentially a Terrence Brooks at field corner uh, can really have a big difference. I did notice this, and I know other people did. I don't, I don't know exactly how many targets Xavier Worthy had in that Oklahoma State game, uh, Ian, but what were your thoughts on him not spreading the – viewers not spreading the, the wealth enough last year? Uh, how, how difficult of an answer do you want? If you spread, I, I want the one that, that, that uh, you think is going to be resonant. He throws to who he trusts. Yeah. If you, well, they were lining up in double tight end sets a lot, and – pounding the ball with Bijan and Roshan and then taking shots. So you had fewer receivers on the field. And one of them would be Whittington, who wasn't necessarily as good getting open if he was getting pressed up as he would if he were in the slot. They could have spread the ball out more and put more receivers on the field. But now you're inviting teams to load the box and dare viewers to make the right reads in the, in the, in the RPO game and the passing game. And Nate Texas was not ready to do that. They did not want to de-emphasize Bijan and Roshan. So – that was maybe the the real underlying problem was not that they were targeting Worthy. The problem was more, A, that they couldn't hit him when they did, and B, that they just didn't have a more veteran quarterback to employ a more sophisticated strategy. That's, that's a fancy way of saying, yes, they had an issue with it last year because of scheme and quarterback ability, a combination, uh, right? Uh, and so, no Isaiah Nayor. I maintain the loss of Isaiah Nayor changed the the project the trajectory of that offense last year. Yep. Uh, last one here, guys, before we get going. And uh, before I say last question, I want to say thank you again uh, to Andy Ludicky at uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking for a new business to start yourself, uh, one with a proven model of success, try the franchise game. Are you looking to leave the corporate rat race? Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net can uh, get you started 404-973-9901. He's gotten several Longhorns up and running in their own business. Last one, and this is going to be interesting. Uh, Bobby and Justin, if Sweat has a great season on the DL, will he be a first-round draft pick? No. No. Why? Too big. Too big. He, he, he's going to play on Sundays. 
And if he has a great season on the defensive line, he'll go, you know, third, fourth round, potentially maybe back into the into the second round. Uh, but you'll notice those guys that get picked, they're a little more slim and refined and, and, and a little more athletic. Sweat's just such a gigantic guy that, you know, and, and he's only going to take 20, 25, at the most 30 snaps a game because of the rotation. And so I think Sweat plays on Sundays for, for, for a good minute. I just don't see him, even with a great year, I don't see Devondre Sweat as a, as a first-round pick. I think he's got to get better habits. Um, yeah. Personal. Yeah, I mean that – Eating that, habits, work, artwork habits, all that. Yeah, because I, I believe that he's got talent, as much talent as, as you could want. Uh, but he's going to have to put a really good year together. Uh, he, he reminds me a little bit, and this is going to – going into his senior year, Marcus Tubbs at the University of Texas ended up being a first-round draft pick of uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Was a little bit of an underperformer at Texas and then had a really good final year in burn orange. Uh, that would be a, a great thing if that could happen uh, for Texas. All right. Uh, th thanks, everybody, for the live stream today. I want to say thank you to our uh, advertisers. Last Stand Hats. Brett Nelson, you got the trivia question right. That's sponsored by Last Stand Hats. Use promo code BOBBY10 uh, for 10% off. Also, thank you to Andy Ludicky and My Perfect Franchise for their continued uh, sponsorship of uh, Friday's live stream. For Justin Wells, Andy and Boyd of Inside Texas, this has been On Texas Football. Hook them.